Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/fine. Visit IXL.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com/fine. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Hey guys, Jalenta here. Before we start, I wanted to let you know that By the Book is doing a live show in New York on Saturday, September 16th at the People's Improv Theater, or The Pit, as we call it. So come see us live. We're going to be at the She Makes Me Laugh Femme Fest. It's going to be a full day of funny women on two stages at the pit. You can see the whole thing. You can swing by just for Buy the Book Live. For tickets and for more info, go to thepit-nyc.com or just look at our show notes. The following podcast contains explicit language. Kristen. Jolenta. <laughs> Do you think men and women are inherently different? Like, beyond anatomy. You mean how a woman is good at making 70 cents when a man is good at making a dollar? No. Like, are there certain ways that women and men communicate differently, want different things in life, and so on? I don't know. Is it 1950? I'm asking because of today's book, which was written by a PhD and claims that men and women really are completely different. It's called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I think you already know how I feel about this. But as usual, I'll play along. Because I'm Jolanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is By the Book. Your life is going down the drain. You're in so much pain, so you need some help. Ooh, yeah, some self-help. By the book, by the book. In each episode of Buy the Book, we choose a different self-help book to live by, follow it to the letter, and weigh in on whether or not it actually changed our lives. Today, our book is Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus by John Gray, comma, PhD. 
In the book, Gray argues that men and women are inherently different and that the reasons we have romantic discord are because, one, we don't accept and understand each other as different creatures, and two, we fail to work with each other's differences. In order to illustrate our differences, Gray enlists the metaphor of the title, presenting men as being from Mars and women as being from Venus and all of us as being acclimated to the society of our own planets and not to each other's. After being released in 1992, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus became the highest-ranked work of nonfiction in the 90s, according to CNN. In total, it sold over 50 million copies and spawned an entire Mars-Venus empire, including more books, seminars, themed vacations, a one-man Broadway show, a TV sitcom, workout videos, clothing lines, fragrances, travel guides, his and her salad dressings, and much, much more. Before we go into the step-by-step guide of the book, first we have to explain how John Gray defines Martians and Venusians. Martians, a.k.a. men, talk only to relay information using direct language. They are solitary and need time to sort through their emotions by withdrawing into metaphorical caves. They sort of act like rubber bands, stretching away into alone time and springing back to be close with their women. Men tend to think large gestures, like working overtime rather than small gestures, like putting the toilet seat down, score them tons of points with their ladies. And they need their efforts to be acknowledged by their women because men are at their best when they feel admired, like a knight in shining armor. Venusians, a.k.a. women, talk to create camaraderie and express their feelings. Often they use hyperbole and flowery language. They are much more social than men, and while they have mood swings that go up and down, they never retreat into caves. Women place value on all gestures, big and small, so a man just bringing home the bacon isn't enough for them. They need small acts of kindness like flowers, help with the chores, and lots of listening from their partners to feel fully appreciated. So now that we know how we're different, here is how the book says we should work with each other's differences. Step one, shut down Mr. Fix-It and the Home Improvement Committee. If you're a woman, stop giving your man unsolicited advice or criticism, like suggesting he stop and ask for directions when lost. This makes him feel disempowered and untrusted. If you're a man, practice listening whenever your woman speaks, with the sole intention of respectfully understanding what she's going through. Practice biting your tongue whenever you get the urge to offer a solution or change how she's feeling. This will make her feel understood and cared for. Step two, work with each other's cycles and tendencies. If you're a woman, stop trying to prevent your man from retreating when he needs to. Don't pester him to talk and don't ask him when he'll come out of his cave. Talk to your friends, go shopping, join a support group. Do things without him until he comes out of his cave on his own terms. And don't punish him when he comes back out. Instead, show that you're happy to see him. Men, when you come out of your cave, don't be surprised if your woman feels withdrawn and rejected. Accept that she may need a bit of time to warm up to you after the past several hours or weeks. And if you want to get extra credit, Gray mentions at one point that you can warn your woman when you'll be retreating by saying, I may need some time to be alone. Step three, use the right language to get what you need and give your partner what he or she needs. Women, if you're talking just to vent or connect, be sure to keep it brief and conclude your monologue by saying, quote, it sure feels good to talk about it. That way your man will know you're just talking and not criticizing him or asking him for solutions. And use words clearly with your man. Stop saying, could you? when you request something from him. That sounds like you're questioning his competence rather than making a request. Say, would you, instead. And men, don't take your woman's complaints so literally. When she says, we never go out, don't respond with, we just went out last Tuesday. Find out what she's really getting at with her hyperbole. Maybe in this case she means, I love to spend time with you. You're the most amazing man. I wish our schedules 
weren't so packed. Step four, score points with your partner. Men, remember your big acts of kindness don't score you more points than your little acts. So just concentrate on doing lots of nice little things for your woman, like turning your socks right side out after she hand washes them, sharpening her knives as a surprise, or offering to cook dinner. Women, score points by showing him you enjoy having sex with him, greeting him with joy when he comes home from work, and treating him with acceptance as he is. But women, do not give him so much of yourself that you start feeling resentful. When women want more, they tend to give more. But men don't understand this. Instead, motivate him to score points by telling him clearly and specifically what you need. Start your request making by asking without expecting a yes. Over time, he will enjoy saying yes, as a man likes to be a knight in shining armor for his woman and scoring points. Step five, never argue. Talk through your issues. Understand why you might have upset your partner. For example, if you're a man and you say something that upsets your woman, don't get mad at her for getting upset. Don't expect her to apologize for getting emotional. Instead, force yourself to listen to why she's upset, then say, quote, I'm sorry I upset you. Or, if that's too hard, say, quote, I'm sorry you're upset. Step six, deal with conflict by writing love letters and response letters. When arguing happens despite your best efforts, step away and write what Gray calls a love letter, detailing the ways in which you're experiencing the following five emotions, anger, sadness, fear, regret, and love. Express both negative and positive feelings and your desire to make things work. Next, write the kind of response you would like to hear back. Start with phrases like thank you for or I understand or simply I'm sorry. Sometimes writing a response letter is even more powerful than writing a love letter because writing out what we want and need increases our openness to receive the support we deserve. Now, share both letters with your partner if you like. Please know, we are aware of how incredibly heteronormative this all is. The book does not address same-sex couples. But good news, if you are in a same-sex couple, according to the particular logic of this book, you should have no communication problems and you're probably in a perfect relationship. That's what the book says. And so that's what we did for two weeks straight. So, Jolenta, tell us about your first week living by men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Well, Kristen, I've always been very intrigued by this book. It blew up when I was a kid. Everyone's parents had it. I couldn't wait until I was grown up enough to read it. But as a grown-ass woman, actually sitting down to read it, I had some real issues with the book, beginning with its very first chapters. Here I am talking with my Martian, I mean, my husband, Brad, about that. This book is saying, just deal with it, men are from Mars. Like, he's a Martian, that's why. Where I'm saying, like, I expect human things from both of us and i don't think i'm being unreasonable unreasonable or one-sided or like too much of a venusian to expect you to live up to like human expectations about like living adult human lives like it's like do these quiet tricks and let him learn on his own and like he'll fly when he's ready but it's like he's my husband he's not my kid he's not my baby bird he's not my martian That's what I feel like. I feel like it's just missing the part where it says, like, yeah, listen, so she feels validated, but it doesn't say, like, actually validate her ever. It just says, like, give her the impression you're validating her and then do your own thing. Where it's like, can't a woman get some validation? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Do you feel like I'm mad at you or lecturing you? 
Can you say that out loud? I feel very shut down. Why? Because... I'm just getting, like, heated about this book. I'm not mad at you at all. Because... Because your takeaway from this chapter is... is Brad is wrong, and I am right. No, my takeaway is, like, women are always wrong, and, like, no matter what you do, like... You have to cater yourself to men and, like, yeah. the way they deal with things. And, like, you'll never be heard unless you do everything different. Do everything different? That's what it's saying. It's saying, like, the way you communicate is wrong and, like, of course you don't get what you want because, like, you're an overbearing cunt. Like, that's what I feel like this book says. <laughs> like, all my problems are mine because, like... I don't know how to speak Martian and, like, just respect that. It's a disappointing book, because I feel like this whole book is just saying, Jolie, you're wrong. When I feel like my whole fight in our relationship is to feel, like, heard and validated and, like, not crazy, and then this book comes in and is like, oh, you're a crazy cunt who just wants to talk and has no opinions or things to offer, like, but men just need to understand that, like, women need to talk. No, yeah, no, I agree it's poorly written and stuff, I'm just, and, like, that it doesn't give women (laughs) enough credit. (laughs) Stop. Oh my god, Jolenta, that's not where I thought that was going to go at all. I wasn't expecting that either until I started talking about it, but this book, like, kind of broke me. Yeah. I was hoping for new insights and advice that would help my relationship, but instead I was just sort of bombarded with this meandering, chauvinistic to-do list. Oh my god, can we talk about meandering? And repetitive and Mm. super hard to follow? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't an easy book to read. So, what did you do next? Well, I dried my tears, and then Brad and I finished reading the book. And when we talked next about it, we were able to approach it with a little more levity, particularly with its depiction of men. I didn't have a role model for giving anyone what they wanted. Really? No, but that's what the book assumes. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, wait, you have a very caring and giving father. (laughs) Men have never seen love before, so... You've seen a shit ton of it. And it's exactly right, which is why it's it's so confusing when he's like, the male... The male has never seen, like, caring relationships before. And, like, the male has never felt special or confident. I'm like, I've always felt all of those things. (laughs) And yet I can't give that to anyone. That's still true. (laughs) Hey. We're having some fun. We're kind of bonding over the book. Granted, it's bonding over making fun of the book. But, you know, things are fine. So no more tears? Well, sort of. A few days later, I was struggling very hard not to argue with my husband. About what? Well, this is going to sound very dumb, (laughs) but we were fighting over the blender attachment that makes smoothies. You know, like the cup that like you can put the blender prongs like right into and you put it right on the base and it makes a smoothie in the cup. No. Anyway, I use this attachment almost daily for smoothies and blended coffees. And he decided to use it to blend garlic into something. And this grossed me out. Because I use these cups, like, every day for breakfast, and I don't want the plastic to smell like garlic. Uh, so I walked up to him, and I said, would you please not use the smoothie attachment for garlic since I use it for breakfast all the time? And what'd he say? He asked me why, in a tone that clearly implied he thought I was being dumb. But instead of arguing back like normal, I just repeated my request using would and not could, 
And not even expecting a yes, I just walked away. Because the book claims a Martian is more likely to come around using these tactics. Here's me and Brad debriefing after I tried this method. How did that feel? That was a tactic from a book. It was fine, I guess. It drove home the point of, I know we have this tool that I said was for both of us, but is it actually only for me? I understand that now. That's not what I was saying. I said, those cups I drink out of. So if you need to do garlic, would you not use it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Like, I understand that now. You don't give me any options, but I but I understand that you're telling me not to use it. I, I get it. I won't. Okay. I guess that's good, then. Yeah. You're getting what you want. You're not getting me... No, I don't need you to be happy about you're it. you're getting what you want. That's great. I can explain more if you want, but I feel like you don't care. No. Say- There's no other option. Okay. I love you, and that's all that matters for this. Right, argument. yeah. Like, if you don't want me to, then I won't. doesn't matter if I think it's a good idea or a bad idea. Alright. I guess we did it. <laughs> High five? <laughs> Feels good? I don't feel... Just so you know, like, I don't feel great either. Yeah. I feel weird. Yeah. But... Okay, that makes me feel weird. Because on the one hand, it sounds super uncomfortable, but you guys sound kind of happy for yourselves, too, like you accomplished something. Yeah, it was a weird vibe. Normally, in that situation, we would have probably had a big fight, like yelling. I'd probably cry. I'd probably swear at Brad in ways that really hurt his feelings and get my point across. Um, And we didn't have that blow up. But all of those feelings were still sort of there under the surface. But we just had this weird, awkward, quiet conversation and walked away from it. And, like, I did get what I wanted, but it felt unresolved and weird. Maybe just because we didn't have that blow up. I don't know if it's just adjusting to not having screaming matches. Mm. Well, remember, it was just week one. True. How was your week one? All right. So, Jolenta, we've already talked about how horrible this book is. I hated it, but I just plowed through it. I forced myself to read all the crap about men needing to be in their caves and women needing to back off. And I tried not to completely lose it. Every time I read it, I got so angry. And then when I was done, I debriefed with my husband, Dean, who it turns out has already read the book. And this is what he had to say about it. Well, I was in a toxic relationship and I thought maybe this book would help. But there's, there's just not a lot of advice for men in the book. It's a bunch of rules for women written by a dude. It's a totally chauvinistic book, and it, it didn't really give me anything useful uh, to fix that toxic situation. So, yeah, Dean and I were going into this book thinking it's unfair to women, but it's our job to live by the book. It's the name of the show. Yep. So we did it. I began by trying to stop myself from acting like the so-called Home Improvement Committee, you know, giving directions when lost or making suggestions that make Dean feel like, a, you know, emasculated. But on the very first day, I totally screwed it up. It started when the engine of his car died. He got someone to jumpstart it and I stayed in the car. So I did well there. Yeah. But then he drove us to a shop, bought a new engine and replaced it by himself. Again, I, I need to say I gave no input. I only gave encouragement. But then we found that the trunk of the car had a giant pool of water in it for no reason. And I opened my big woman mouth and suggested a way to get it out. 
here we are talking afterward. Okay, so just a second ago, we were dealing with that weird water that was pooling yeah. in the back of the trunk. and I then know. There's no way to get water in there. How did it get two inches deep and full of slime? And you said, oh, gross, there's nothing to be done. And I said, why don't we just scoop out the water? And you said, and how thinking, are we going to do how that? How are we do that? There won't be a scooper in the trunk. And I said, why don't we just use one of these blue Solo cups that's in the back? They were already in there from an old picnic. And I am going to ask you, when I said, why don't we just scoop it out, did you feel in any way emasculated, like I was saying... I don't trust you to know what's going on. I thought that you knew how to fix this. Now I have to do it myself, and I'm telling you what to do. Um, I would say... Like you can see inside my head. <laughs> oh, wait. No, I didn't feel any of that at all. I just I... didn't expect there to be anything scoop-worthy in the trunk. I did think we had rags in there. I'm like, I don't really want to get three liters of water out of my trunk with rags. But, uh, yeah. No, it's uh, we had blue solar cups, and it's awesome. Okay. I mean, I know you were breaking the rules of the book, but it sounds like Dean was very happy and appreciative that you spoke up. He did appreciate it, but I still tried to follow the book's rules, especially when it came to talking too much. I always talk a lot at the end of the day with Dean, and despite my best efforts, I had a hard time with that. Here we are debriefing on an evening in week one. Okay, so I have a question. Sure. For the last half hour, I've been mostly sharing stories and gossip and catching you up on family news and my opinions about things and so on. Uh-huh. So, have you... How have you felt during this conversation? Well, I tried to contribute some to the conversation. You spoke over me at least twice. Um, <laughs> there was no way for me to get a word in edgewise. And I just, you know, motored through my drink. You've barely finished yours, and I've drunk mine. I'm going to get another one so I can stand another half hour of it. <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding, honey. I, a, I'm curious about your day and what's going on with family. B, it's interesting to get your perspective on this stuff. I feel good. What, I mean, what is your question? So, do I feel marginalized in some way? No. Do so, I feel like so, I haven't had a time to shh? But I haven't <laughs> had time to talk? No, I don't feel like that. Shh. Um, ah. <laughs> um, because at the end of the day, we want to do that, don't we? We both want to catch up each other on our days. Is that a sentence? Sort of, yeah. Again, it seems like Dean does not mind you talking. It doesn't matter if he minds. The point is that I was supposed to be modifying how I speak, how much I speak, my vocabulary, my incessant talking, and I was just failing at all of it. Don't even get me started on would versus could. Oh, wow. So you're really messing this all up, Kristen. Yeah, I was. And I realized I had to try to follow different Venusian rules if this was going to work. Do tell. Well, you'll have to be patient for that because we'll get to that in my week, too. That's just mean. Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, what do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.
Okay, Jolenta, we just talked about our week one experiences living by men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Now let's talk about week two. So at the end of week one, Brad and I were sort of resolving our issues through the book's methods, but tensions were still high. And I got to thinking it was time to relieve some of that tension. So I wrote Brad a love letter to express some of the feelings I've been hinting about but not being very direct about. And remember, a love letter is just a writing exercise where you express being hurt over something. Dear Brad, I'm writing to let you know that I'm starting to feel a bit overwhelmed and frustrated with the general state of our house. It's tidy and the dishes are clean, but our actual apartment is not clean. And I feel like I'm the only one who notices. I'm angry that it's clear our floors are dirty and it's time for a vacuum. And I know I have to be the one to say it out loud. It hurts my feelings. It makes you feel like you don't care about our home life and you don't acknowledge that chores like this need to be done. I feel trapped in a role I don't want and worried that my whole life in this relationship will be spent noticing all the unfun things for both of us while you frolic carefree. I don't want this job. I want to share it with you. I've been dropping hints about hiring a cleaner again. That's true. Since we both clearly don't want to deal with this, and you laugh and agree, but don't take any initiative or actually do anything, please help take this job off my plate and share the burden of noticing and dealing with things that aren't fun but have to get done. I want to feel carefree and cozy in my home with you, not like the nagging mom. I want to feel secure about your level of commitment to our lifestyle and your role as my husband. You're so good at cheering me up and bolstering my self-esteem, so I know this shouldn't be too hard. I love you and know you always had the best intentions. Thank you for that. Now let's be a united front, get our shitty chores out of the way, and then have fun. <laughs> I love you, sweetie. XO Jolie. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's so good. Thank you. Uh, next, I read, Brad, my response letter. And my response letter is a letter I wrote, but it's what I would want him to say back to me. Dear Jolenta. <laughs> you used my full name. It's very formal. Yeah. yeah. In, your, in your ideal world. Yeah. I am so sorry you feel I'm indifferent about the house. I know you feel more responsibility for the not fun jobs in our life, and I plan on changing that immediately. I am just as invested in our life together as you, and if you don't feel that way, I must not be showing it enough. I'll go hire a cleaner and start doing more to show you I can deal with the not fun jobs around here. Love you, boo. XO, Brad. That's good. That's a good response. Yeah. Too. How would you like to respond? Um... I think your letter is spot on. Yeah. To me, I think you are right in that you notice things and you drop hints, and I clearly also know that they're true, mm -hmm. and then just kind of quickly move on. Yeah. That's an immature way of handling it. Mm -hmm. It's really nice to hear how you feel, mm -hmm. what the problem is, what how you think it can be changed, and like to say. I mean, essentially what the book is telling you to say, I know you can do this, Brad. Like, I know yeah. you're capable and like, it's not because you don't care. It's not because you're not, you know, you don't love me. It's not because that you're not mm -hmm. smart. You just haven't done it. And it would really mean a lot if you did. Yeah. It's very clear and helpful. All right. I guess that's good. So how is our cleaner going to square with your finance uh, episode? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it actually sounds like 
men are from Mars, women are from Stop Venus it. is helping you. It's helping you and Brad. I know. I, mean, I know. It did help a little bit. Brad hired a cleaner. Oh, I think I hear a positive verdict coming. Well, you're going to have to wait for that because I want to hear about your second week of living by men are from Mars, women are from Venus, Kristen. All right. So for week two, rather than focusing on how much I talk and how much I give unsolicited advice and how I use the wrong words, I decided to focus more on scoring points. I made it all about scoring points, Mm -hmm. specifically by practicing the feminine arts, as the book describes them. You know, cooking, cleaning, washing Dean's socks. I even washed his running shorts for him. I did our grocery shopping for us. And all of this came as a pleasant surprise to Dean. Here he is when I surprised him by making lunch. Oh, my gosh. You made lunch, honey. Oh, thanks, sweetie. <laughs> Don't get used to it. No, if, you, um, if you turn the heat down a little bit, it, those noodles wouldn't get too soft and soggy. Honey, that's the last time I make you lunch. Oh, my God. You're horrible. I mean, it sounds like you scored some points, Kristen. I did. I did. But I have to tell you, that joke he made about overcooking the rice noodles, uh-huh. that was followed up, not on tape, but I remember it in my soul, mm-hmm. of him giving me tips, criticizing how I was holding the knife while I was chopping, okay? And that pissed me off. If I'm cooking, don't tell me I'm doing it wrong. But I saw my anger as an opportunity to do the love letter exercise, which I then presented to him the next day. Dear Dean, it makes me angry when I'm trying to cook for us and you come into the kitchen and tell me how to do things. It saddens me that you can't just appreciate the fact that I'm trying to do something nice for you. I fear that you think I'm not good at taking care of myself, and I worry that you might think I'm stupid. I regret that I haven't made it more clear before now how much this frustrates me. I love you and hope you can understand where I'm coming from. Love, Kristen. Well, I'm not allowed to respond, right, because you're going to tell me what to say. Well, well, I'm going to read a... Do you want to hear the response letter? Or do you want of to course. or do you want to respond to that letter How yourself? Well I know what to say without the letter. Okay, so the response letter is, Dear Kristen, I love you and I think it's so wonderful when you cook for us. I'm sorry that I make you feel less than competent in the kitchen. I will stop criticizing you, particularly when it comes to how you use knives and the temperature at which you cook food. I love you. Your food is always delicious. I will now rub your feet. Love, Dean. Oh, really? (laughs) 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 That that sounds exactly like what I would have said. So did the letter exercise get you guys to a better place? Well, I wanted to know how he felt. So I asked him about the exercise and how he felt about it in general. And this is what he said. Uh, you've now brought up a thing that happened yesterday um, that I thought, you know, I apologize for in the moment, actually, because you you were obviously a little not feeling so good about it. Uh, So now it's come up again. Now it's a bigger thing. There's a letter involved, a draft response that I can or cannot use. Um, What was, you know, a quick conversation in the kitchen and, and a hug and then a party afterwards... Uh, has now turned into a major deal. Um, So no, I didn't find it very useful. I I felt like it's made a... And now, if it really was a mountain, if that's what you're trying to tell me, that that really is a major deal, and that this is something that happens all the time, 
that I still haven't got your point. Because obviously I don't think it is. <laughs> what? No, but you do criticize me frequently in the kitchen. Well, I I apologize about that. I just you're so infrequently in there, and I'm afraid <laughs> I'm afraid that you'll hurt yourself. But I'm a grown woman who's cooked for myself for. When I first met you, you had hurt yourself cooking. Remember? Yes. That's why I bought you the apron. Okay, so. <laughs> This exercise, this exercise <laughs> didn't do anything. Not really, no. I'm sorry, I won't criticize you as much in the kitchen. I didn't realize that was a thing I did very often, hon. I'm sorry. I'll be much more mindful of that. Wow, it sounds like Dean was pretty defensive after that exercise. Yeah, he was pretty defensive. But then he went to the bathroom, and he came back a few minutes later, and he gave me a huge hug, one of those holding you close, not the padding your back mm-hmm. hug, but like real, the real ones, real tight hug. And he said this to me. Oh, I'm sorry that I criticized you in the kitchen. I didn't realize that it was getting to you that much. I won't do that again. I, really, I promise. Oh. I love you. Oh, thanks, honey. I love you. Didn't you get fresh on me? No. <laughs> to turn off this tape. Stop it. Interesting, interesting. So I would say maybe the bathroom in this circumstance uh, could double as a little cave for oh. Dean, where he had to go think about some shit for a minute, maybe while taking a shit. Oh, <laughs> you know, I didn't even think about that bathroom situation as a cave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, that's very sweet of him, and he came back a changed man. Well, I felt great after that. I really felt heard. I felt super loved. Um I was just like, I have the best husband in the whole world. I'm so happy. I love this man. So was the book actually useful then? Well, you're asking for a verdict, and it is not verdict time yet. It's reminder time. (gasps) Reminder time. Reminder, everyone. We want to hear from you. Do you identify with the Martian of Renewtion definitions? Have you lived by this book? Please share your story with us. Email us at buythebook at panoply.fm or leave us a voicemail at 505-510-BOOK. Okay, Kristen, it's time to get down to business. Did men are from Mars, women are from Venus work? Would we recommend it? Go for it, girl. Give me your verdict. Okay. This book helped me. What? This book helped me. Brad has a much better understanding of where I am coming from and my expectations. But I also hate this book. How do you mean it? It's helpful, but you hate it. It is sexist crap. It encourages women to keep their mouths shut while encourages men to just go off and do their own thing. And the book made me cry and feel horrible about myself after I finished. It confirmed my worst fears about my needs being silly and annoying. It assumes that women aren't sexual beings. And I'm horny, too. I go into caves, too. But this book assumes that if that is the case, I'm just not in touch with my feminine side. I find this insulting and sexist and disappointing. So, no, I do not recommend this book, even though I got my husband to hire a cleaner because of it. And I'd rather argue with Brad more and be understood less and not feel ashamed of my needs. I totally hear you. And it's such a bummer that he's a supposed real Ph.D. giving us all this advice. Oh, about that. I looked into Mr. John Gray, Ph.D., and Wikipedia had this to say about him. And I quote, John Gray was found to have received his degree from a diploma mill and was not actually the recipient of a real doctorate. (laughs) 
As if that's a surprise. Oh, my God. It I know. Makes so much I more know. sense. He's literally like a fake doctor with a fake education. Total fraud. Well, can I go into my verdict now? Yes, I, please. I have such freaking strong feelings about this book. Number one, the gender stereotypes are just the worst. I want to yell, women are not like this. Yes, Women are often rewarded socially for being good conversationalists, and men are often socialized to be more independent in our culture. But most men I know don't disappear for hours or freaking weeks at a time without telling their wives where they're going. And most women I know don't spend all their time talking in hyperbole while their men sit there zoning out. Not all women like shopping. Not all men want to rubber band away as soon as they get sex from their women. Women and men are not like this. Maybe your grandpa was, but most men are not. Most women are not. Preach, girl. And then point number two, I also hate the millions of rules laid out for women in this book. This book is like somewhere between two-thirds and three-fourths finger-wagging at women, Mm -hmm. telling women they're doing everything wrong, telling women you have to just be submissive and deal with your man being a man. Meanwhile, the rules for men are almost non-existent. I'm sorry you feel upset. That's like, what? Yeah. That's a rule for a man is to say, I'm sorry you feel upset? Uh -uh." That's like their one rule. Yeah. And then maybe you want to consider... If you're feeling generous. Yeah. If you really feel generous, you can say to your woman, hey, I might need some time alone. That's one sentence in the whole book while a woman gets multiple chapters scolding her for harassing her man for trying to get him to talk when he's retreating in his cave. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So those are my two main issues. All of the stupid gender definitions and all of the dumb ways it treats women. So I hate this book. I fully agree with you. You know this. But I'm obviously going to play devil's advocate here and say, what about your love letter with Dean? It seemed like he really responded to that. I mean, here's the thing. Dean and I almost never argue. We don't have a hard time talking about stuff. I think he's the greatest husband in the world, and I don't think either of us really needed the love letter exercise. But I'm guessing maybe for some folks, the love letter exercise would be helpful. But I think that for me and for Dean... He felt that he was being attacked and it was some sort of weird, passive-aggressive, long-written-out criticism of him. Mm -hmm. And really what we just needed to do was sit down, frankly, and talk and then hug a lot and then maybe make out. Yeah. So you know what my verdict is, Jolenta? What? Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus. Can take a one-way shuttle ride to Uranus. Ooh, planet Joe. Yeah. (laughs) had it with this book no more never again i'm so glad we agree oh so bad never again well i was gonna write this in a love letter to you Kristen, but i guess i'll say it out loud that's it for this episode of by the book our producer is cameron drews our managing producer is mia lobel and thanks also to our composer nate wida and to andy bowers at panoply Please stay in touch. Let us know if you've done Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, and how it worked or didn't work for you. Also, send us any questions or suggestions for future books for us to live by. Our email address is bythebook at panoply.fm. You can also tweet at us, at Jalenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, or at bythebookpod. Or check out our Facebook page. We have a community full of discussions and book advice and fun stuff. Get talking. Also, please rate us and review us in Apple Podcasts, a.k.a. iTunes, as it helps other people to find the show. And if you haven't already, tell a friend about the show. Until next time, I'm Jalanta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Step four. Score points with your partner. Men, remember your big's 
men. <laughs> it's hard not to laugh or yell when you're reading any oh, of this. It's just it's really, really just hard. Just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> this is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com.